What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and I imagine a lot of you guys are on Fantasy Twitter, Fantasy Reddit, Fantasy YouTube, and you guys know, on the daily, it is a war zone in these replies, in these comment sections, especially in July when we don't have a lot of news happening. People are arguing every day over whatever the polarizing player is that week. So I wanted to hop on here, sit down, and talk about the three players that seem to be hot topics on Twitter weigh in and then kind of give you guys how I feel about them at this point in time. So with that being said, make sure you get down below, subscribe, leave a like if you enjoy the video. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, try to choose. I mean, I know I'm critical. And the first guy we're going to talk about is Rashad Bateman. And as you guys can see, JJ Zacharyson one of the goats at late round QB was getting his hands dirty in the Twitter replies and was actually going back and forth with a bunch of analysts that I kind of hang around with. I know Kev was in there. I know Akash was in there. Uh, I know Ian was in there and they were pretty much going back and forth about Rashad Bateman and his projection for this season. And Rashad Bateman's been a hot topic all week long. And essentially what JJ said he hopped on somebody's podcast and he said Marquise Brown on a per game basis had a 26% target share. And I think Rashad Bateman can see that realistically, his ceiling projection is that he can see 30% of the Ravens target. So that's a really big claim. And this is from a macro level. It's not even so much an argument about Bateman. It's an argument about talent versus situation. And it's sort of tricky. When it comes to Bateman, I land on the side of being slightly lower on Bateman than consensus and sort of siding with the talent side of things instead of the talent versus situation because pretty much what the thesis is here is because the wide receiver two is Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, whoever you want to pencil in as the wide receiver two, that because there's nothing else going on there, that Bateman is just going to hop in here and almost instantly have a 25% target share. And that's where I have some pause because we had fantasy studs last year like T Higgins, CD Lamb, you even have the year before that when uh, or two years before that when like DK Metcalf was in year two. None of those guys hit 25% target shares in year two and all of them looked better than Rashad Bateman in year one. So I think it gets a little bit dangerous here penciling him, him in for that high of a target share just because of his situation and not so much because of his year one indicators. And when we look at Bateman and what he did last year, he was an 18% target per route run guy. I use target per route run instead of target share because I know there were some games where he was limited. He was coming back from injury. On a per route basis, he wasn't that much of a target hog. 18% target per route run. I want to say Elijah Moore was like a 26% guy. You had uh, Jamar Chase in like the 23% range. You had Devonta Smith in like 22%. I believe Waddle was a 25% guy. So he's a clear tier below all those guys. And... I think it's a tough bridge to cross for him to get to that 25% target share range, which is probably what he would need to have to pay off at his wide receiver 26 price tag in this offense. I'm of the idea that even though they passed a ton last year and that was super promising, I think when you trade away Marquise Brown and they're bringing in J.K. Dobbins, he's healthy now. You have Gus Edwards, who's healthy now. It does seem like I don't know that they're going to lead the league in rush attempts, but I think that they are going to be probably, I'd say, more towards the bottom in pass attempts than towards the top and something that's interesting is when we look at mike clay's projections who i love to look at his stuff um i actually dm'd him on instagram i didn't get anything back i'm trying to have him on to sort of pick his brain on his projections but he's the espn projection guy and his job is to be as conservative as possible and to get as much stuff right as possible he's not trying to be 
a hero. He's not going out and making any stands. And when he projected Brashad Bateman, he has them all at wide receiver 40, even though he has them on a 22% target share, which I think is fair. I think 22% is actually a, I would even say in the upper percentile of his median projection. And that still only gets him to wide receiver 40 in this offense. It puts him at about 72 catches, 880 yards, and four touchdowns. Now those touchdowns can go up, but I think that it's just in this offense, there's going to be a lot more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns. And that's kind of how that splits up. We're not even talking about like a thousand yard receiver in terms of his median projection. Now, I'm not saying his ceiling uh, can't be like a thousand yards and like eight touchdowns, but for where we're drafting him in terms of his median projection, it gets a little bit rough. So when a 22% target share puts him only at wide receiver 40 in these projections, wide receiver 26 becomes a really tough price to pay. And that's where he's at right now. Wide receiver 26 on underdog. And that's why that's where it gets hesitant for me because you guys know I love leaning into these year two profiles, guys that I can take a step forward that showed a lot in year one. And the issue is, is we have similar profiler, we have similar profiles going right around that same area that I thought were better last year and are cheaper. We have Amon Ross St. Brown was better last year, is cheaper. Elijah Moore, better last year, is cheaper. Devonta Smith, same thing. Now you can point to these guys you can say i don't even know what the the uh the claim is with Amon Ross St. brown it's not like he has some good wide receiver next to him but with elijah moore you can say garrett wilson's coming in with devonta smith you can say aj brown's coming in so i guess that's the main difference is that rashad bateman doesn't have that wide receiver too but why i think that he kind of equals out in that same range and personally in my rankings if i'm ranking these four wide receivers for 2022 i have elijah moore Amon Ross st brown bateman then devonta smith I think whatever situational factors Rashad Bateman's getting boosted by, in terms of these other three wide receivers, it's getting offset as well by the fact that in year one, he didn't do anything that crazy. And if we look at what he did last year, I wanted to also break it down in terms of Whopper, which is a fun metric that I've been messing around with, weighted opportunity rating, which takes into account target share, but then gives you some context on the air yard side of thing, on the A dot sides of things. So... You're not just boosting up guys like Rondell Moore and Kadarius Toney because they're getting targets around the line of scrimmage, but you're kind of getting the whole picture here. And when you sort of chop up the wide receivers by Whopper, you have a couple of tiers here. You have Chase and Devonta Smith at the top end. I'd actually say Devonta Smith is a great buy at his price. Then you have Waddle, Elijah Moore, Amon St. Brown in the middle, and then a tier break, and then you have Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore. So it gets really, really tough uh, for me to put Rashad Bateman into that same area of like an Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devonta Smith. And I have him there because of the situation, but to have him in this clear tier ahead of him like the market has, I think is wrong. Um, I know Marquise Brown is gone and that opens things up, but I think we're getting a little bit carried away. So I think where JJ sort of sees him as a 25% target share projection with 30% upside, I'm more in the idea that I would say his projection is probably like low 20% target share and his ceiling is probably like 25%. Again, that would put him in that same bucket of Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, Devonta Smith. I wouldn't put him one to three rounds ahead of all those guys. So I'm still drafting Rashad Bateman in spots. I'm going to be about even on the market with him. This isn't to say that he's some must fade for me, but I just wanted to talk about Rashad Bateman in terms of how I'm viewing him with all of the talk about him going on. I think that we should probably pump the brakes a little bit, but I do see the ceiling. I think we're projecting him a little bit too close to that though. Now, um, next player we have Gabriel Davis, because his ADP keeps rising on underdog. By the way, 
I haven't talked about it, but Underdog, if you want to hop on there, I'm going to do, this is, I'm recording this Saturday morning. This is going to be out on Sunday though, but I'm going to be doing a live stream on Saturday on Underdog. The puppy is out right now, but it's 88% full. I guarantee by the time you see this on Sunday, it'd be like 95, 97% full. If you want to hop in there, get a lower entry point where WrestleMania 3 is fun. It's a $25 entry fee though. The puppy is $5. The issue is that the puppies are really rare. They only happen for like two weeks at a time. If you want to hop in there, now is the time. So if you use promo code Ron, I'll make sure I'll put it down below in the comments, down below in the description. There's a link that it'll send you right to underdog. It'll send you right to putting the promo code in. And when you put the promo code in, they will match your deposit up to $100. So if you deposit 50, they will match 50 more in your account. So when we talk about Gabriel Davis, this is a good friend of the program, Jacob Sanderson. And he is getting fed up with the ADP of Gabriel Davis. He said, I tried to play nice with you hooligans, but it's gone too far now. And we see that Gabe Davis... His ADP keeps rising, and he's now ahead of Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 20. And let me put the actual screenshot up here. People are getting pretty outraged on Twitter. Um, and I'll agree. I think at this point, we're getting a little bit wild. I've already came out and said that I'm okay with Gabriel Davis's price. But on underdog, this is a problem. Now, here's the thing about underdog and a couple of these guys like Gabriel Davis. I think another one that is similar to this is Mike Williams. And I think that this is just a product of underdog where you have a couple of players that sort of get forced up around or two because of stacking where you have Gabriel Davis has Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. So if you start your draft with Stephon Diggs or Josh Allen, that one, that first round, that third round area, people are reaching on Gabriel Davis in the fourth round. You have the same thing with the uh Bengals stacks as well because you have Bengals versus bills in that week 17 game a lot of people want to uh stack that game so if you have jamar chase Mixon, higgins that also gives you a reason to want to like for, uh force a fourth round gabriel davis and that's kind of what's happening here so i think that a lot of the the dialogue around gabriel davis and his underdog adp is probably wasted breath because that's not where he's getting drafted in your home leagues now i agree with the, the masses that this is getting ridiculous at underdog I won't be taking him at that price. I've already sort of gotten my exposure to him while he was cheaper than that. At fourth round prices, I won't be touching Gabriel Davis. But if we look at traditional leagues and we look at home leagues for Gabriel Davis, he's it's not that bad. This is where 4 for 4 has him. They like take a composite of like sleeper, underdog, uh, FFPC, ESPN. It's like a bunch of different ones. And then they sort of compile it all. And if you look at the far right, this that's the ADP. So you have, instead of them being back-to-back -back, like on underdog, you have Deontay Johnson at the 403. You have Gabriel Davis at the 606. And as the wide receiver 28 at the 606 in redraft, that's completely fine to me. I think I might even have him ranked higher than that in my own rankings. Um, but yeah, at that price, if he's going to be a six-round guy, like wide receiver three type guy, I'm completely fine with that. I think that that's about where he should go. I'm going to be... I'm going to try to be about even on the mark with Gabriel Davis. He's not somebody where I know a lot of like sort of like nerdy guys like me are just fading him into oblivion. I think that's a dangerous game to play. And I think a lot, there's a lot of analysts out there that I respect that are I would like they're showing their ass a little bit when it comes to this Gabriel Davis stuff because you can't just point at the 10% target share stuff and be like, "Okay, so here are the guys through 2 years who haven't passed over a 10% target share. This is why Gabriel Davis sucks." The issue is a lot of those guys only have a 10% target share on a full route participation. So yes, those guys suck. But when you talk about Gabriel Davis, the issue here is that you have to have some kind of context for the fact that he only played on 50% of the routes. He was only 50% snap share guy. 
and yes his target share was 10.9 percent but on a per route basis his target rate was 22.2 percent which is great and here's the thing with gabriel davis targets are earned routes are given and routes were given last year to the older players like uh I was going to say Jamison Crowder, but it was more, it was Emmanuel Sanders. It was Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis didn't get his chance to be in a, a full time starter on that team till the end of the year. And then he crushed, he crushed at the end of the season. He crushed in the playoffs. He went out there and had like 200 yards and four touchdowns. He's now that guy. And I think what they saw with him in the playoffs, now wanting to put him in a full route participation, I think that his targets per out run and his target share even has a chance to increase because if they if they believe in him to the point where they'll put him out there on two wide receiver sets they're going to call more plays for Gabriel Davis than they would have when he was just a part-time wide receiver so I think that there is room there for his target share to grow I'm almost certain that he's going to be the wide receiver two on this offense so his, his routes should go up a ton so if you were pointing to his 10 percent target share then you believe his routes won't go up and then I would ask you the question of wh- whose routes are going up outside of it would be what Jamison Crowder and then what, you're sort of digging into like closer Kerr, Isaiah McKenzie there. It doesn't make a ton of sense for me. I think on the outside, you'll have Gabriel Davis there as a full-time starting wide receiver. And if that's the case, then pointing to his 10% target share makes no sense. Because again, that was when he was a part-time wide receiver. Now, if you go to Mike Clay, who again is not trying to be a hero, and he is not a Gabriel Davis stan, he has him, his median projection as the wide receiver 26, penciled in for an 18% target share, as a touchdown dependent wide receiver three which i think is extremely fair he has him for just over 100 targets 63 catches 920 yards nine touches 18 percent target share and that's perfect um in that area of the draft six round wide receiver three i'll gladly pay for that i think that there's so much upside with gabriel davis where again they use him more his target share can go up it's, he's going into year three so he's still young enough to take that next step where uh he could go crazy you have Josh Allen throwing in the football. They pass the ball a ton. He's not somebody I want to be caught having no exposure to, Gabriel Davis. He is somebody where I think in normal redraft managed leagues, he's going to be at a palatable price of like six rounder wide receiver three. And in that area, that's completely fine for me. So I think in underdog, his price is getting a little bit out of control. If he does fall to the fifth round, then I have like a bill stack or I have a bangle stack. I don't mind getting him there, but he's not somebody that I would lose sleep if I ended up fading Gabriel Davis in 2022. I think there's just too much upside there, especially just on like a week-to-week basis where we saw him last year crush. He's somebody that on any given week can just go for like 150 yards and two touchdowns. So he's not somebody I want to go into 2022 lower on than consensus. Now, the last player we're going to talk about is Trey Lance. And Jimmy Garoppolo is sort of what's fueling this where he's still on the 49ers they haven't traded him yet and it seems like the hot news right now is that Garoppolo is going to stay put and what does that mean for Trey Lance and for me it doesn't change a ton in Dynasty I haven't flinched I'm still drafting him a ton in seasonal and I think this is really more a function of teams not wanting Jimmy Garoppolo than it is a function of the organization's doubt in Trey Lance and this is a great stat by David Gattiari on Twitter. 28 quarterbacks were drafted since 2000 in the top three. Every single one of them started in week one of their second season. So that's pretty damning evidence that he should at least get. I think at the very least, you can't be scared of Trey Lance because he won't start week one. 
He's going to be starting week one. He's going to have every chance to succeed. He was an 18.7 point per game guy in all the games last year. We had over 15 pass attempts. This profile of Trey Lance, I think it's a mistake to be fading him. He seems, it seems very, very similar to Lamar Jackson's second year, Patrick Mahomes' second year, where we had a guy just go nuclear. I think that is in Trey Lance's range of outcomes. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if you didn't say bless you you're not a real one um but like i said trey lance ton of upside i don't think that's somebody you want to be fading especially for other quarterbacks in that range with like super high floors low ceiling like guys like Derek carr kirk cousins matthew stafford i want to be having exposure to trey lance he has room to smash he's a must draft in all formats for me now, I think the only valid concern with Jimmy Garoppolo still being there is that possibly Trey Lance sucks so bad that by midseason, Jimmy Garoppolo replaces him. And I'll admit, that is probably the most realistic doomsday scenario. Is that like week eight, the 49ers are like two and four. They're coming out of, I don't know when their buy is, but they're coming off of a buy or coming off of a bad loss. And like, okay, screw this. We're going to put Jimmy Garoppolo in there. We're going to just try and get to the playoffs. And that's a, that's a fine doomsday scenario to be scared of, but this is what I would argue. In redraft managed leagues, that's not a big deal. You can just stream quarterback if that happens. Keep him on your bench, and the minute that Jimmy Garoppolo can't start anymore, you'll put him in there. The only spot that I could maybe see fading Trey Lance because of that is best ball, right? An underdog where if midseason he gets benched and he doesn't start games, and that's a bit of an issue for you because you're not going to have starting quarterback production so i guess what i would say to that concern is when we're especially when we're just when we're talking about underdog i'm I'm pretty much assuming the idea that we're talking through the lens of tournaments through the lens of tournaments trey lance has access to upside that not a lot of quarterbacks in that range have access to he's somebody that can just gift you a ton of money next year so you want access to that ceiling regardless Um, And then you can also sort of build your teams around Trey Lance where you maybe you pair Trey Lance with a very steady quarterback like a Kirk Cousins, like a Derek Carr behind him. So that's what I would say about that. I'm still not going to be scared off of drafting Trey Lance. It's a ceiling play. It's a home run swing. And it's on a quarterback, which again, like in a redraft managed league, it's not a huge burn. If you have to go to the waiver wire like week eight and figure something out while Trey Lance gets benched, it's not a big deal. So that's sort of how I feel about those three players that are hot topics on Twitter. I figured that I'd sort of hop on here and give you guys a quick rundown of some of the hot topics of this week. Let me know how you guys like this video. I think that's going to be a weird title. I sort of see how it does in the algorithm, but I sort of just wanted an excuse to talk about those three players because uh, I figured a lot of you guys would be curious about how I would feel about them. So with that being said, we're going to end this off a little bit early. If you enjoyed the video, make sure you down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.